0: The Miami Hurricanes just lost to Duke in football, by the way. Let's talk about what the coaches got wrong and where the players let them down. You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much, even in terrible times like these, for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. The Hurricanes lost to Duke at home 45-21. to And they lost their starting quarterback in the process. And guys, as of today, it's Sunday I do not have an update on the status of Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, It didn't look good, obviously. So I think we should all just mentally prepare for Jake Garcia to be the starter for the foreseeable future. Maybe we'll get some news on Monday that indicates, you know, whatever happened to Tyler's shoulder, upper body was not as serious as it appeared to be. And of course, if Jake Garcia is the guy for the foreseeable future, he's got to play better against Virginia than he played against Duke but he's not the only one. A lot of these Canes have to play better against UVA and FSU and Georgia Tech and Clemson and Pitt than they just did against Duke. But I don't want anyone to think I'm not blaming at least a little bit coaching on yesterday. Now, I don't think coaching was the primary failure in a game where you fumble five times and throw three interceptions because I don't think there's a page in Josh Gaddis's playbook that says, hey, let's turn it over eight times and try to still win the football game. A lot of that does come down to players, but since people seem to think I don't blame coaches for anything, I don't want you guys to think that was the case. What I didn't like about the coaching yesterday Uh, This staff, you know, and it's ultimately Cristobal's decision, obviously, when it comes to when to go for it. Um, Cristobal goes for too many fourth downs and these coaches and obviously once you get to fourth down, you know, you also have an OC calling plays, plays designed for those situations. They don't seem to understand that this team, at least right now, cannot pick up three yards or even one yard with their running game when they need it most on third and short and fourth and short. This offensive line is too beat up, and these running backs, which the rotation is very thin, are just not picking up short yardage when the other team knows they're trying to pick up short yardage. So if you're going to go for it on all these fourth downs, when sometimes I do think you need to trust your punter, uh, right, because there was an example of that. Down three points, Miami went for a fourth and three on the Duke 44-yard line, came up short. So they gave all the momentum back to in a short field back to Duke. And yeah, of course, you need to get more creative in short yardage when you can't pick up a yard or even a half yard when you need to. So a lot of that is on coaching. And, you know, I know when the Boo Birds started to come down late in the first half, Miami ended up going into the locker room down 10 and people were booing uh, the team, you know, three consecutive running plays near the end of the second quarter with the clock ticking. That's obviously on coaching. So I can blame. Mario Cristobal and Josh Gaddis for some of that stuff, but I cannot blame them for five fumbles and three interceptions when those were so clearly on the players. And for those asking, yes, these coaches do make them work tirelessly in practice on ball security drills. They work a lot on that. Like I got a comment on Twitter yesterday. And by the way, you can follow us on Twitter, follow the show at locked on canes, and we will follow you back and tweet us And your tweets may get read on the show. They may get answered on at all hurricanes newsbag. You can follow my Twitter as well at Alex Dono, Dono spelled D O N N O. I got a comment on Twitter from someone who said eight turnovers, fire Josh Gaddis right now. And listen, to me, uh, and you you cannot like Gaddis for a number of different reasons, but to me, it's kind of lazy and low-hanging fruit to blame someone's offensive scheme on eight giveaways. Like, I mean, it's so bad, guys, these eight turnovers. That hadn't been done by any FBS team since 2017. Nobody's done it this year, well, except Miami. Eight turnovers in a single game. Oh, it was so bad. And, you know, on the flip side of it, I got a comment from someone asking for Kevin Steele to get fired because Miami gave up 45 points in the game. Now, most of the points that Miami gave up were after sudden change situations, offensive turnovers that created short yardage for the other team. Uh, And one of the touchdowns that Miami gave up was a pick six. So that's obviously not on the defense. Um, The defense, they did start to break late in the game, which you kind of expect when all the offense does is turn it over. The defense is going to break at some point. But the defense was playing well for most of the game until things completely fell off the rails late. Um, So as far as what coaching does from here on out, you are now in a tough situation where you're going to be reviewing the film. I'm sure they've already been reviewing the film, of course, but you're going to be reviewing the film from – one of the most catastrophic performances in Miami football history. I think it's fair to say that. And there are going to be some players who need to be demoted Uh, some players might even maybe get the indications from their coaches that they're no longer welcome here. I think it's been that bad. I'm not going to speculate on who some of those players might be. And there are certain players that may need to ride the bench for a little bit just to kind of be punished for their sins for what they did in this game. Um, so yeah, coaches are going to have to, to make some tough decisions, maybe on demoting or benching certain players. And what makes it even tougher is You're so thin right now with so many positions, you know, not you were thin even to start the season in some areas, but especially thin with all the injuries this team has suffered that it's like certain guys, you can't necessarily bench them completely. Like, you know, I know we're all we're all upset at how many fumbles Jalen Knighton has been committing. He's lost three fumbles in the past four games. Uh, You know, maybe they take carries away from him, but I don't think they can just bench him completely when you just don't have a whole lot at the running back position, at least not until Don Chaney comes back. But he's still about four weeks away from returning. He may not be back until the final two or three games of the season. So there's only so much you can do when you're so thin at certain uh, positions. So, you know, and talking about why, you know, I wanted to bring up how many tough decisions these coaches are going to make. There were some, I mean, I give credit to Coach Cristobal in, he didn't hold anything back in his post-game presser. The frustration for CMC is starting to boil over, guys. And you can tell, he's not outright throwing players under the bus, but he's challenging his players because he basically gave the type of speech where it's like, If you don't want to be here and if you don't work hard, we don't want you here. So let's talk about what Mario Cristobal had to say right after we talk about sweat block. Guys sweat a lot. I sweat, I think, more than the average guy. And I live in South Florida where humidity always wins. And so sometimes I've got to go to events calling fights for TV where I'm wearing a suit. And I would get these embarrassing pit stains, guys, until I found sweat block. Sweatblock changed the game for me. Sweatblock was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or dry odor or odor, not dry odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% on Sweatblock with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So here's uh, what Mario Cristobal had to say after the Duke loss and on the rebuild that they're trying to accomplish these coaches. Um, He said, we'll see on tape. If someone's not playing hard, they have to go play somewhere else. Woo. That makes me wonder if over the next few days we're going to see anybody turn up in the portal. We'll have to stay tuned on, on how that plays out. Uh, we have to do what we have to do requires tough people to turn a program, rebuild it. It requires tough minded people willing to do the work. If that shows up on tape, they have to find somewhere else to play. He says some guys have played really well. Some guys have played hard. We'll go from there, he says. You take complete responsibility as a head coach and as a program. I get it, Cristobal said. You have got to be real tough. Unfortunately, you have to go through some painful steps. But we caused our own painful steps, extra painful steps that we don't need. He said. Most important of all, of all the things is understanding that when you go through something like this and you're and you're rebuilding a program and you get hit in the face like this. You have to be tough enough to look each other in the eye and stick together and go to work, he said. It doesn't magically get better. You have to go to work, and that's the only focus. That's the only thing we're going to do. When it turns, he says, we'll look back on this as lessons. Right now, you have to eat it, he says. You have to be a tough son of a gun. you know. And I start to see the arguments that Hurricanes fans have In our show comments at Locked on Canes, on message boards, on Twitter, people start to draw a line in the sand. Is it coaching or is it talent? And I'm just in the middle of that line saying yes. I don't want anyone to think that I'm not blaming coaching for any of the problems that are happening right now. I can't give this coaching staff anything better than like an F right now, or, you know, a D minus, like how can I give them anything better than that? Where, you know, you as a, yeah, and I think Miami was favored by too much, but as a nine or a 10 point favorite, you lost to Duke by 24 points and you lost to middle Tennessee by two touchdowns. Both of these losses at home, by the way, you're favored by 27 and a half points against middle Tennessee. I know they don't care about the odds, but I'm giving you the odds as a reference. Um, this coaching staff has not done well enough. I just think there's a difference between too many people speak in absolutes. I can admit the coaching staff, they're not doing their jobs well enough right now, especially for how much they're getting paid. This is by far the most expensive coaching staff in Miami history. I can admit they're not doing their jobs well enough, but I can also still have faith that the demolition that they're doing and the complete rebuild that they're doing, I can still have faith that they can get it turned around. That's the difference between me and some of you. Some of you say, well, if the coaching is bad right now, we're doomed forever. We just wasted money. We might as well have kept Manny Diaz. I don't think in absolutes like that. Uh, This season, it's starting to look and feel like a lost season on the field, which is a freaking tragedy as far as I'm concerned. I hate it. I've been through too much of this as a Miami fan. I had been through two in the last 20 years. How many lost seasons have we been a part of? How many painful rebuilds? And obviously none of the previous rebuilds have stuck because here we are again, we're stuck on this carousel of mediocrity or worse for years and years and years and years and years. I'm tired of these lost seasons. Okay. But um, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not like, I, I got a, a tweet from our, our guy, Cuddy who tweets us a lot. Who's like, Oh, I hate to see Dono broken like this. I'm not completely. Cuddy, thank you for your concern, but I have not completely broken. Okay, I'm frustrated because, you know, now I'm wondering how this team even makes bowl eligibility. I know every game's a one game season and all that. But, you know, it's going to be really tough just to make a bowl game this year. So I am frustrated, but I'm not broken. Right. I've been I've been waiting over 20 years for Miami to get on the right track again, I've waited this long. I can wait a little bit longer if that's what it has to take. Uh, And so, yeah, this is going to have to be even more of a demolition than I thought it was going to have to be in order to get this program turned around. So this coaching staff, they're going to have to work even harder now in recruiting, right? Because listen, they are preaching Long term, they're staying enthusiastic. They are, there's certain players, whether it be guys who are already verbally committed or guys they're trying to get committed before signing day who they are in constant contact with. And they are, they're preaching their vision for the future of the program because they obviously can't preach, hey, look how great it is right now. They obviously can't do that. So this staff, they're going to have to keep working tirelessly because, yeah, it's going to be even harder in recruiting now you know, to get some players you're trying to close with who are maybe leaning to Miami, but on the fence, guys like Samson Okunlola, who, if he comes, he makes this far and away the best offensive line class ever because they already have a good 2023 roster of verbally committed O-linemen. Okunlola would make this the best O-line class Miami has ever gotten, bar none. Uh, You know, a talented corner like Damari Brown, four-star, talented running back like Chris Johnson, four star, you know, guys like that who may be considered Miami Lee and Ruben Bain, you know, obviously people are starting to lose a little hope on Ruben Bain uh, who Alabama and Auburn have been working very, very hard for his signature, but players like that, you know, the more you lose, the harder you have to work to try to sell these guys on your vision for the future. Cause you can't sell them on the present. Um, speaking of, you know, another player that Miami is going to be working tirelessly on for the next, month and a half or so before he decides where he wants to play you've got five-star cornerback Desmond Ricks now having reclassified from 2024 to 2023 he's been on the Miami radar he's got good things to say about Miami he's visited Miami and uh, I think something that could play into Miami's favor we hope is the fact that Desmond Ricks plays for IMG Academy (laughs) Right, and Miami has a handful of verbal commits on that IMG roster, so he's got to talk to his cane committed teammates every single day. They're going to want him to join this rebuild at Miami. Now, it's not going to be easy to close on Desmond Ricks, uh, who's one of the best cornerbacks now in the class. Again, he's reclassifying from 2024 to 2023 because, as you would expect, all the big programs, including Bama, are going to be recruiting him hard, and if Bama is potentially about to lose out on Cormani McLean to Florida. He's going to be announcing on the 27th. Uh, Florida's the favorite. Then you've got Bama and Miami kind of lurking in the shadows. If Cormani commits to Florida, then Bama is going to do the full court press on Desmond Ricks because he's going to be next man up. Like he, he is the best available after Cormani McLean. but I, Miami definitely, I think they have a chance if nothing else, because he's had nice things to say about Miami, good visits, And like a half dozen of his teammates are Miami commits at IMG Academy. Uh, We need, you know, people have asked me, what types of players does Miami need to be recruiting here? I think these are the types of players they've been recruiting for 2023 and 2024. The challenge is going to be keeping these guys locked in before signing day and building on what you've already got. They need alphas, right? They need players who don't have egos. Guys who are ready to work hard, get the U back to where the fans deserve it to be. I'm already excited about how this offensive line is going to be rebuilt because, as mentioned, Miami has a good class committed already. Five-star Francis Maui Goa. Seems like he's solid. Top-rated O-lineman in the class. Four-star Tommy Kinsler. High-end three-stars Antonio Tripp and Connor Lou. Lou is considered one of the best centers in the class. Uh, three-star Frankie Tenalau, who is uh, – I think he's probably going to be a four-star by the end of the process. He's very raw because he came over from Australia. He was a rugby player, but the guy the guy's an absolute giant, right? And, uh, and, yeah, Miami is trying to close with five-star tackle out of Massachusetts, Samson Okunlola. Miami's been considered the favorite for him for a few months. Closing is not going to be easy because Okunlola, of course, is getting recruited by top programs in the country. So players – yeah, you know – Miami's coaches, they did inherit a lot of players who I think were used to kind of a country club atmosphere, you know, didn't have to work hard under previous regimes. But yeah, I had hoped that these coaches could snap these guys out of it pretty quickly. I was wrong about that. Uh, The coaches need to coach them, but these players also have to want to be coached. And I hope there's enough of that going on. I don't think there's enough of that going on. So this is the most expensive coaching staff Miami has ever brought in by far and that made a a lot of us think that there would be more immediate results than what we're getting unfortunately we have no choice but to give them the time to adjust and to get more of their guys into the building when we come back and talk a little bit more about what went wrong against Duke what went wrong against the Blue Devils I always like to do this after a game day because you know heading into a game We always give you four or five keys to the game here on Locked on Canes. So then after the game is done, win or lose, we like to look at, did our keys to the game match up with reality? Did Miami execute any of our keys to the game? This is going to be a tough one after a 24-point loss to Duke football. We will get to that right after we talk about the awesome folks at LinkedIn Jobs. Getting the right people. New potential hires can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Folks, I have gotten jobs through LinkedIn jobs. It's a really smooth, easy, and free process to do this, guys. Uh, If you're a small business owner, add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. People will notice, believe me. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the quali- qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen and your first watch today. Part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so let's uh, let's go back and review our our keys to the game and uh, and what Miami did and didn't do. So our very first key to the game, going back to our Friday episode against the Blue Devils, was do not let Riley Leonard break contain. Don't let Duke's quarterback run wild over you like Hulkamania. Unfortunately. Riley Leonard scores three rushing touchdowns through for another. Now, yes, most of the damage that Riley Leonard did was after backbreaking turnovers, sudden changes, uh, turnovers by your offense. But still, obviously, in those situations, it wasn't good enough. How many times did we get to a third and goal, even a fourth and goal where you're thinking, man, we are just one play away from a goal line stand, one play away from keeping these Blue Devils out of the end zone and then up. there's Riley Leonard again. There he is scoring another touchdown. So uh, we failed there. F, shame, shame. We failed to, uh, to shut down or even contain Riley Leonard. You know, and again, uh, I, I appreciate what Miami's defense was able to do when Duke had a full field to drive. Most of your failures were in sudden change, short yardage situations, but not good enough. F, uh, our second key. This wasn't really a factor. Maybe it should have been more of a factor. Uh, Our second key to the game was Miami needs to score touchdowns in the red zone. Miami actually only got into the red zone once, which is a problem in itself. But hey, in their red zone trip, which was the first drive, we did score a touchdown, a seven-yard pass from Tyler Van Dyke to Colby Young. Uh, There was another Miami drive where they got near the red zone. You remember that turnover on downs, the one that they reviewed and they didn't give it to Lucius Stanley. Um, That was a turnover on downs at the Duke 23. So they were almost in the red zone, not quite in the red zone. The other touchdowns that Miami scored were a 35-yard pass to Will Mallory and a 71-yard pass from, those were Jake Garcia to Will Mallory and a 71-yarder to Colby Young. So the Hurricanes only... Technically, they did go 100% in red zone touchdowns, but it was kind of a problem in it. It wasn't, let's just say that wasn't really a factor because you got to get into the red zone before you could score in the red zone. Uh, key number three that we had heading into that Duke game, it's time to run the football again. It wasn't. The Hurricanes only managed 48 team rushing yards in the game. Now that does include sack yardage. But even if you take the sack yardage out of it, and that was a whole nother issue, by the way, we should have had protect your quarterbacks as a key. That was an F minus, right? Tyler Van Dyke gets hit on a strip sack. He's out for the game in the second quarter. Looked like a shoulder injury or maybe a collarbone. I hope not. Cause that would be, that would be pretty serious, but it was something in that, in that neighborhood of his body. And then Jake Garcia was getting pressured and hit and roughed up as well. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a pass I should give this O line because they they're they're decimated from injury. You know, you had Lawrence Seymour starting this game. Jonathan Dennis got injured during the game. Ja- Ja'Kai Clark is clearly not hundred percent. He had to play some and it didn't do well yesterday. Like the offensive line is an absolute it's an absolute mess right now. Uh, but yeah, as far as running the football goes, even if you take the sack yardage, which counts against the rushing offense, even if you take the sack yardage out of it. Miami still rushed for just 98 yards as a team, which is not good enough. I said it before the game. I want at least 150 team rushing yards. They fell way short of that. So that was a failure. Uh, Key number four coming in was uh, the defensive secondary needs to communicate, stay disciplined, don't give up big passing plays. Well, I guess you could say that was a success. The secondary was not the problem in this game. The longest passing play that Duke hit was 18 yards. The thing is, like, they didn't really need to take a lot of shots down the field, Duke, because they had short fields basically on every, on every drive that they had. But you could say mission accomplished by the secondary. Uh, and the secondary did make some plays, right? Miami got that early fumble in the game, which was forced by Avante, recovered by James. So Williams power on that one. And later in the game, DJ Ivy forced and recovered a fumble. So the secondary did make some plays. They weren't they weren't the problem here. And then our our fifth key heading into the game was keep the penalties to a minimum. We did it. Yes, is that a moral victory? We ac- we accomplished the key. So the Hurricanes who were penalized seventeen times for 159 yards in the victory against Virginia Tech only penalized thrice that's three times for 30 yards in this game against duke so hey hey we fixed something didn't we (laughs) i've been saying that for weeks though right miami finds new ways to self-destruct every game it's like a bingo card like one week um red zone failures you know you put your little your little bead down on the bingo card right another week it's penalties. That's another one down on the bingo card. This week, it's catastrophic turnovers. You commit eight turnovers. Bingo! I got it! Like, So what's next? Are they going to fix the turnover problem against Virginia? Because I assume, because they don't lose the same way twice in a row. Like, they never lose the same way twice in a row. So if they have fixed, uh, apparently they have at least somewhat fixed defensive secondary giving up big plays. Uh, they have apparently fixed the penalty problem. Uh, you know, I turnovers, are they going to fix that next week? Jake Garcia, is he going to throw another three interceptions in this game? Are we going to keep fumbling? Uh, if they fix that, I, I don't know what other way we're going to find to lose, but Hey, we, have, we, we accomplished that goal. We accomplished that goal of cleaning up the penalties. So another thing is you look at uh, a season that, you know, some of you will say, this is a lost season. I'm call me a masochist. I'm still excited to watch every game, and one of the reasons why I'm still excited to watch every game from here on out is I really want to see now which of the young players are going to step up. Are we going to see even more of a Wesley Besaint emergence? Are we going to see uh, more of an Isaiah Horton emergence? And yeah, you know, I know he's not a freshman, but he's young and he's a transfer. Colby Young, are we going to get? And Colby Young played fantastic against Duke. Like he's not the reason Miami lost scored two touchdowns 120 receiving yards 127 receiving yards like colby young if we had 22 colby youngs playing for miami that wouldn't be the issue okay uh, so i want to see which of these young players can kind of catch on and, and give us building blocks for the future and so i've seen a lot of people saying like you know screw it let's just let's bench all the veterans let's just play all the all the freshmen out there um you, you can't just do that unfortunately this has got to be a balancing act for the coaches like you can't just throw in the towel on all of your upperclassmen as a coaching staff, even if the season feels lost from our point of view. Um, there are certainly maybe some veterans who should be benched and some young players who do deserve to play more uh, because yeah, you've got to bench certain players or, or take you know snaps away from certain players just to send a message if they're not performing. Um, but, you know, you can't bench the ones who are playing well just for the sake of it. And you can't automatically just start every freshman if they're not actually earning their playing time and practice, because, hey, then there's a chance if you're putting guys on the field who just aren't ready, uh, then there's a chance you're setting a player back for the future. Right? I'll give you an example. And. This might be an unfair example because I can't say with 100% certainty that he would fail if he was put in this situation. I can't say that for sure. Um, But I'll give you an example in Jakari Brown. If Jakari Brown isn't ready to go out there and be an every down quarterback and actually throw passes, you don't want to force that because, listen, I think Jakari Brown to me is an athletic freak and he's a weapon. Maybe he will end up being a future starting quarterback at the University of Miami. But if he's not ready to actually go out there and make throws, because that's the part of his game that's still developing, if you force that and he starts getting picked off left and right in games, you might actually stunt his growth as a player. So that's one of the reasons why you do have to be careful, because you don't want to just ruin some of these guys by throwing them out there when they're not ready. Okay. Um, If we do see Jake Garcia for the foreseeable future, I can't wait to see how he bounces back. He's facing adversity for the first time in his college career, right? Because when he came on against Middle Tennessee, he played very well in that game. It was, you know, too deep of a hole to dig out of. But, like, a lot of people were like, hey, maybe Jake should be the starter now, right? So he was the most popular guy in town. Now, Garcia threw three interceptions, bad interceptions. It looks like he and his receivers just were not on the same page, uh, you know, throwing uh, throwing into bad coverages. So I can't wait to see if Garcia, if he does get to prepare for the full week as a starter, how he's going to bounce back. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot more content throughout the week. Thank you so much, guys, for being here, for supporting our work. Make sure to smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to this on audio podcast, make sure to subscribe to our channels. We will talk to you again on Monday on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.